Welcome to PTJ Author Interviews. PTJ Editor-in-Chief Alan Jetty talks with authors about the most interesting and sometimes surprising aspects of their work. And now, Dr. Jetty. I want to welcome listeners to this latest PTJ podcast. This is Alan Jetty, Editor-in-Chief of PTJ, and today I'm pleased to have two guests, Dr. Alan Lee, who is the World Confederation of Physical Therapy Digital Physical Therapy Task Force Chair, as well as Professor of PT at the Mount St. Mary's University in Los Angeles, and Dr. Leslie Holdsworth, who is National Clinical Leader in the Scottish Government Digital Health and Care Division in Glasgow Caledonian University. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Jetty. Today we're going to be talking about a manuscript that they have just published in PTJ. It's entitled COVID-19, an Advancing Digital Physical Therapy Practice in Telehealth. I really enjoyed uh, reading the point of view, and I'm really interested in talking with both of you about it. Let me start by asking you to briefly describe for our listeners what the uh, WCPT Digital PT Task Force is, how it got started, and uh, how long you've been working as a task force. Sure. Thank you, Dr. Jetty. It's Alan Lee. And I would like to thank PT Journal for inviting us to this podcast on April 24, 2020. Leslie and I are deeply grateful during this time of professional and personal sacrifices with COVID-19. So looking at this digital PT practice task force, which was created by WCPT and MPTRA, which is the International Network of Physiotherapy Regulatory Authorities, to develop some key recommendations for global practice and regulation of providing digital practice. So we started this task force, uh, and we met at the spring of 2018, and members of the task force were charged to develop a white paper that was summarized in this point of view PTJ article. And the task force, including Dr. Holsworth and myself as the chair, and Karen Finnan from Australia, Diane Millett from Canada, and Chris Pearson from the United States, with support of Rich Wolf and Leslie Adrian, immediately recognized there were no established global standards of definition of digital practice in physical therapy. So with COVID-19, it is my belief that WCPT and Impetra Task Force was visionary in terms of leading the global practice and regulatory issues that physical therapy profession must address in both emergent and non-emergent situations now and for the future. So there are additional information that you could access at www.intra.org, as well as WCPT.org in their COVID-19 resources. I was interested in uh, reading your piece that you use the phrase digital physical therapy practice. How does that differ from other forms of practice such as tele-rehabilitation, and why did you choose that term? This definition in the paper, which was, Healthcare services, support, and information provided remotely via digital communication and devices, which we thought was much more representative of a range of technologies and impact of these technologies on current and future service models. While telerehabilitation, which is more PTOT, telehealth, as well as telepractice by speech clinicians or speech therapy clinicians with real-time audio, video, telecommunication, or asynchronous store and forward telehealth could be a subset of digital practice 
And I believe Dr. Uh, Holsworth could explain further about what's going on internationally with different service models. COVID-19 has demonstrated that additional communication-based digital practice services in the United States, such as e-visits, virtual check-ins, and even phone services may be medically necessary in times of shelter-in-place, as well as critical care situations where FaceTime and Skype may be even be the only possible solutions for families and visitors to have those precious final moments with loved ones. So we believe that digital practice is really more of a, a global term as well as uh, ability for us to uh, discuss here in the point of view. Yes, um, and I can add to that, that from a UK perspective, we've moved relatively recently, the last couple of years, away from terms that have been common or well-known to us, shall we say, for a few years. So the terms tele-rehab, tele-health, tele-care even, then um, what we're talking about now in terms of digital practice, it's a much more an umbrella term because we've seen new communication modes come on online and some of those that Alan alluded to, much more variation in the way that we can actually interact and engage with our clients and our patients. So the historical developments that have happened in this area were very specific and digital practice is just really a, a much more encompassing term that covers all of those um, and probably will do more into the future. And we have to think even about how AI is going to actually impact on our, our practice going forward. So digital practice, um, I think, is a, a much more comfortable term. Um, and it's also something that resonates very well um, with the whole global physiotherapy PT community. Yeah, I like it very much. Uh, thank you both for clarifying uh, its meaning. You know, one of the advantages of digital practice is trying to improve access to um, therapy services. What do we know about the extent to which digital practice actually is known to improve access? Do we have much evidence about that yet? Sure. In the United States, the access to care in digital practice has been demonstrated by federal programs like the Veterans Affairs, the VA, and the Indian Health Services with their telehealth and tele-rehab services with the long track record. And there are other digital practice articles in PT Journal that have noted telehealth supervision of PTAs by physical therapists in the state of Washington that could improve access and reduce costs of fifth visit revaluations. And in, the, in addition, there were various telerehabilitation studies for total knee replacements, international cardiac rehabilitation programs at home, cancer survivorship, and stroke management that have been demonstrated to be effective and improve access to PT services. And from a UK perspective, um, the evidence is building and at scale and pace at the moment, and particularly I think because of the, the current COVID-19 crisis that we're all experiencing, um, we've seen a massive shift in terms of the recognition, if you like, in our workforce of the benefits that um, actually having some digital solutions to providing even business as usual um, our services to our clients and patients. Um, if you read the full paper, you'll see that we've actually identified uh, different levels of advantages of digital practice, and we've classified these into 
benefits to service users, and that covers issues like the ability to connect with needed providers, regardless of your location or the distance, the decrease in travel, for example, or and particularly for those with limited mobility, and even those with working lives or other uh, caring commitments. So also the very much the acceptability uh, of all these um, services. We are we do have a significant evidence base now um, that's that's growing by the day. We've also uh, identified a number of benefits that actually are beneficial to service providers, and that's really focusing on workforce efficiencies and the opportunity to standardize a lot of pathways. And then there are wider benefits to society in terms of in particularly in systems which are publicly funded, we are seeing evidence of much greater efficiency of, of the use of these resources. Then there are obviously benefits to employers, for example, but fewer work absences uh, in general, uh, but also uh, fewer work absences just to attend uh, particular appointments. So these are just examples of the benefits that, that, that are well documented. And I might add that I'm sure that the UK is not alone um, uh, in a country that is uh, currently being extremely challenged about uh, our response to COVID-19, but also in our response to being able to provide uh, the services to those that need them um, on a day-to-day business-as-usual basis. Um, and um, the fact that uh, digital solutions are seen very much as um, the opportunity to do that. So I know here in Scotland, as, as in the rest of the UK, the governments were very keen to actually collect the experience and the impact of that. So um, although there is um, a, a reasonable evidence base to date, I think that in a year's time from now, uh, we'll really see that ramping up um, and uh, the, the impact of all these efforts that are currently ongoing um, will be for wider sharing and learning. I, w- I would certainly agree with the explosion of interest in digital practice with the COVID-19. We're going to learn a lot more in the, in the coming year and, and beyond. Could you could you talk a little bit about what we know about the limitations of digital physical therapy practice? Yes. The task force noted that if you go back to the literature, uh, recent rapid reviews of five telerehabilitation meta-analyses by Shigakawa et al. in Health Affairs noted that digital practice may require more provider time for consultations, And as we're discussing in the future, we'll get more evidence regarding perhaps lack of technology training and understanding from the service users, which may limit access to beneficial services. And obviously, there are policy and payment limitations prior to COVID-19 and post-COVID-19 that needs to be addressed. And again, the inability for us to conduct an in-person exam through digital practice requires strong patient-provider relationships which must be evidence-based for practice to drive outcomes and improve the continuum of care and practice in the future. And I would echo um, Alan's comments there um, about these limitations, um, very much so. And again, coming back to the point we were just talking about, um, I foresee and I'm, I'm experiencing already some of these limitations being breached and, and overcome 
um, and that is specifically in response to COVID-19. And a good example of that is in the last week, out of a workforce population of 12,500 in Scotland, we have seen 4,680 people attend webinars and training on um, how to conduct a, a specific type of video consultation that we support within our National Health Service in Scotland. And that is a phenomenal response. Uh, and this is, these clinicians have identified they need to uh, get up skilled, they need to know how to use it. And equally so, we are already seeing real satisfaction coming through from our patient-client groups who have for the very first time engaged in seeking healthcare advice and management through this, this mode. There are still limitations associated with that and I don't think it's appropriate for every single case by any means. But what we're seeing at the moment is, um, shall we say, the 80-20 split with the majority being suitable candidates and 20% of them not so suitable for various reasons and it may be to do with their own literacy, their ava the availability of the technology within their own home, for example. It's not the panacea for everything. However, it is proving to be um, a very real and valued solution, and particularly at this time of crisis. I think it'll be particularly useful to get more data on where it's most useful and where it's not as useful going forward, because I agree with you, the amount of interest worldwide is phenomenal. Indeed. Let's talk a little bit about the um, the table in your article. You, you made the point in your piece that um, we don't have enough evidence to date to recommend condition-specific digital practice standards, but you did feel uh, it was uh, appropriate to put forth some major guiding principles. Could you talk briefly about those principles? Of course, yes. I think the the task force themselves felt that actually providing summary guiding principles would be much more helpful as we move forward in, um, in collating the evidence. We've already stated about the evidence. There is some evidence, but there is not a great volume of evidence as yet. But as we know that uh, we may be in a different situation next year or in five years' time, but what became very clear in our consideration of the evidence that there was and in the best practice statements that we were also seeing that many of the professional bodies in different countries have pulled together and are advocating for their membership, that there are some very, very clear guiding principles. And these guiding principles, for example, that digital physical therapy practice is the best interest is in the best interest of service users in their care and that wherever possible, service delivery choices are made with service users. And what that means is that we should be thinking a little bit out of the box, that when we enter into um, negotiations with our clients and our patients about what their choice is and how would they like to communicate with us, how would they like to be managed, that we, do, that we actually consider digital options then going, thinking about the actual therapists and how they practice using any digital medium, we, they very much need to be aware of their own scope of practice and the regulatory framework in which they work. And a good example of that is commonly in the U.S., we found that the regulatory body for therapists would not cover them if they were engaged in providing advice and management 
to individuals who were not within their own state or were not within the jurisdiction of their regulatory body. However, that is not the same in many other countries, including the UK, where the therapist themselves is the person who is covered, irrespective of where the patient is either abiding or located. So it's very clear that the individuals who want to engage with delivering care via digital solutions are very clear about what the, the current governing regulatory framework is so that the, they're working within that. And it's very, very important they keep up to date with current evidence because of the, the rapid nature that this is evolving and that they engage with their key stakeholders to agree and support the use of digital um, service delivery options and, and, and also be very clear about the associated potential benefits and also the limitations and that both parties fully understand this. Um, they also need to be very confident that the chosen um, digital mode will actually improve access to physiotherapeutic service and information and or quality of care. Now, in many cases, this will be the case, but it's very important to consider that because traditional means um, may well be more appropriate in certain conditions uh, or situations. Um, that obviously the therapists themselves need to be fully cognizant and competent in the use of the di chosen digital mode. And that also that applies to the service users um, because if, for example, as I was hearing a, a perfect example this morning at one of our training webinars, um, that um, a therapist was describing how a patient couldn't turn the camera on, was struggling to get the audio to work, etc. So in, in, in situations like that, we're never going to have the, the optimum um, engagement there. So, you know, understanding that everybody is fully um, conversant in use of, of digital equipment is very important. Um, also, due consideration must be given to ascertaining the appropriateness of using digital solutions um, with specific service areas um, in terms of its general suitability. So it may well be that when we're dealing with certain conditions or certain issues that, again, different options need to be um, thought through and the digital solution may not be the most appropriate. We also feel that we need to continue to monitor and evaluate, and I think we've um, already identified that, and particularly at the moment, of the effectiveness of these digital solutions so we can evidence them um, as we move forward and um, systems evolve. But also, I think there's a real need to be prepared to collaborate with various stakeholders and, and being very transparent and honest about the outcome and the impact of digital phys physical therapy uh, practice. So again, we're adding to the, or, or we're continually adding to this evidence base and that we want to uh, see it evolve and actually evolve into the best options for our patients and our clients because at the end of the day, they're the most important issue um, and whatever we do must be focused on their needs and, uh, and wants and also their, their accept the acceptability of the approach that we give. That's a very helpful <laughs> summary and I would urge uh, listeners to take a look at the article in the table that outlines all the guiding principles. And, Alan, if I may add, Dr. Holzberg, sure. thank you so much for that summary. In the white paper, if you go back, you'll see in the appendices that we did, prior to COVID-19, put together a U.K., Canada, and Australian, U.S. global regulation in re relation to the physical therapy digital practice. 
summaries. But we need to stay current with COVID-19. And in the U.S., the Federation of State Board of Physical Therapy has put together a jurisdiction guidance for PTs and PTAs that has been updated and is readily available. But you need to stay current because things are moving very fast. So thank you. That's a really, really good and and a very topical comment there, Alan. And in in the UK, we've seen exactly that situation. As I say, I work for Scottish Government and I'm a clinical lead for digital health and care. And workload, shall we say, was just just went off the chart um, in the three weeks up to when we locked down, as it were, as as we call it here. Um, As we went into there, because our emphasis was on the status preparedness to ensure that our clinicians had the right kit they needed so that they could work remotely and keep as much business as usual as possible. And in that process, we had to uh, rewrite, for example, our information governance guidance a number of times to reflect the changing nature and the fact that we needed to have a responsive and agile approach and that the digital solutions that we were um, advocating, we were recommending for our clinicians to use, uh, were evolving um, uh, week on week. So uh, staying up to date and, and, and ensuring that you're fully versant with the, the guidance, the, the regulation around the different modes of practice um, can change on a weekly basis. You know, not surprisingly, you mentioned in your article that um – physical therapy practice educational standards uh, are not where they need to be in various countries. How do we get those standards developed and uh, disseminated? Well, I'm very pleased to hear from Dr. Hosford that, as she alluded to, there are educational demands and quick uptake in the U.K. and Scotland, and I think we need to be mindful of those, but we need to kind of focus on our academic programs and our needs of our students. Therefore, there are some free available curricular models, such as the PEAK program, P-E-A-K program in the University of Melbourne, using telehealth to address osteoarthritis management of physical therapy via telehealth. So these are evidence-based curricular guidelines, freely accessible and available for faculty, students, and others. And in light of COVID-19, we need to focus on the limited clinical education of our physical therapist students currently, And I would encourage all of our academic programs to develop these learning objectives for telesupervision of students and clinical instructors in terms of finishing their clinicals at at the level that could be at the highest bar, but not at the lowest. So I believe PT profession could benefit from looking at interprofessional telesupervision models, such as in speech therapy and telepsychiatry to glean from their experiences and expertise, but we need to do more work in the academy. And again, I I would fully, and and, and I would fully echo that from um, the European perspective. I also feel that we actually are entering a period of great opportunity. Um, We have had um, many anecdotal and uh, evidenced examples of our um, educationalists, our undergraduate and postgraduate training um, institutions here who have readily said that they need help in ensuring that they're up to speed and that they can can deliver the new workforce for a different age 
and with different skills. So there are opportunities definitely arising there. There have been some really good examples. And the one that Alan um, alluded to that from out of Australia is is a very impressive model indeed. But I also think there's an opportunity for us as a global community to actually do some work collectively on this so that we can learn more from each other and from the front runners, as it were, as well as in country. So real opportunities abound. And when we get chance to draw breath and when we emerge into the new normal, I think that would be the ideal time to really collate and put some really firm consideration as to how we can go, how we can, how we can optimize and capitalize on the really fast learning that's gone on within our clinicians and then think about how that translates into the undergraduate modules in terms of the skills that they need um, uh, going forward because whatever happens and we're very clear here that practice should not return to normal the old normal and there has to be um, the emergence of a new normal and digital is right up the middle of that. Well, I certainly would agree. I think the new normal is where we're heading. And I have to say the work of your task force and the timing of your report could not have been better. In, in closing, I wonder if each of you would just mention a few of what you see as the key challenges to worldwide adoption of digital physical therapy practice as we go forward. Um, I think there are four areas that we need to kind of think about. For technology, we need to think about broadband access globally in high and low-income countries. Second, for policies and payment, we need to, as we talked about, the licensure and the jurisdiction guidelines uh, in the United States and outside of the United States that expands telehealth payments that would include physical therapists, such as the U.S. legislative efforts in creating opportunities now for necessary and effective care for technologies, so-called the Connect for Health Act, uh, H.R. 4932, Senate 2741, to add PTs as providers of telehealth to create permanent policy solutions that APTA supports. Number three, we should consider ethical delivery by addressing cultural and key human factor uh, considerations for hands-on as well as digital PT practice solutions to limit fraud and abuse. Uh, and obviously, as Dr. Holsworth mentioned, COVID-19 has truly shifted the landscape of physical therapy. So there needs to be further work, I believe, for almost like a digital PT practice task force 2.0, which the readers as well as the listeners of this paper should consider participating in and also moving us forward into physical therapy profession. Dr. Holdsworth, um, anything to add? Yeah, uh, the one thing I will, I, 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 I think um, Dr. Lee has, has um, uh, described that incredibly coherently, and I, I fully support all of those um, four different issues. The one other one that I will um, add to this is uh, culture. And um, I think that, uh, as I say, again, um, because of the present situation we're in, some of the cultural um, uh, uh, barriers, shall I say, that were uh, not helping, uh, if you like, the wider adoption of digital practice are being naturally eroded. Um, and so that should help us um, considerably as we move forward. Um, but the, the cultural um, challenge will always be there until we get um, 
full acceptance of the fact that you know many patients can be significantly uh, benefited and uh, from uh, digital solutions. Um, so um, culture is very important, um, and the more that we work together as a as a global community, a global profession. Um, to gain consensus over different models of service delivery, then the more that the, the cultural challenges are, will be eroded. And I, again, um, I'm, I'm confident that by this time next year that many of those will have dissipated quite naturally. Well, I want to thank both of you, Dr. Holdsworth and Dr. Lee, for taking the time today to talk about the, the work, and I really appreciate the work that you and other members of the task force have done. I want to encourage our listeners to take a look at the article and the full report from the task force, uh, which I think you'll find extremely valuable. Thank you both. And thank you. Thank stay you. well. Yes, yeah, stay, stay safe and well, everybody.